Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Joining me at this time, my good friend over there in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Go Wildcats tonight against Garns. Stats by Will. Mr. Will Warren is here. Will, good evening, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm doing really well. It's honestly, this weather is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been running a lot, you know, getting out and about. And uh, we've completed the uh, the scariest social media challenge of all, the Clip Your Cat's Nails Challenge today. Mm. Uh, really, yeah, frightening stuff. I don't recommend that anyone under the age of 18 do it. So, what what is that? I'm I'm not familiar. So what? Oh, and did yeah. you actually do this to Cedric? I actually, so we we don't like let him go outside. So we have to clip his nails like every so often. Uh-huh. And it's always like putting him. It's like surgery to him without the anesthesia. Oh He no. hates it so much. So did you get it done though? Did it did it yeah. happen? Yeah. He okay. whenever there's like ten treats waiting on the other side, he'll put up with it just long enough. Hmm. And I shake the treat box. I'm like, hey, look what's going to happen if you just let us clip this last paw. And then he'll, he deals with it. Well, for the good folks over there on YouTube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast, they can see Cedric right now. He's very much alive and <laughs> He's okay. He's recovering. Yeah, he is recovering from the horrors. <laughs> I think uh, Samantha, uh, the sports renaissance woman, because Khaleesi's behind me. And I, I think when she, it's the same thing with brushing, because I don't mm-hmm. think she clips uh Khaleesi the dog's nails but uh the brushing uh to keep her going man it's like you're feel they make it seem like you're pulling teeth out here but it's really just like mm. you get clumps when you have a floof you got a little floof thing over here it just gets clumpy and you gotta rig uh just like uh i don't even know what the, the term is whatever they do with the sheep what is that called when they is it ream the hair i don't know what that uh, that's my that's a good guess we're, we're uh, investigating yeah, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not certain i'm not certain uh but Either way, we have to bribe her with treats. So did you at least try and do that? Does Cedric, does he, can you get his mind off it while you're clipping his nails? Was there something you could give him? Is he a snacker? Is he a snacker at all? He really usually isn't, but in times mm. like these, I think he thinks he's earned it. Mm-hmm. So we, we gave him several today. Well, he's... To get over the stress and anxiety of it all. Well, he's not about it right now, Will. As, uh, no, as folks off. can see, he is facing the other way. He's not even looking out the window. He's just staring at the wall. <laughs> he's missing the window entirely um so he's going through it so shout out to our uh one true emo king uh cedric mm-hmm. the cat up there and by the way the best part about doing this when we're both very tired is mm-hmm. that i had a bit like a little joke planned and we hit record and i do not remember what that was so you already forgot the bit yeah i don't remember what my bit was so mm. uh if uh we're, we're still working on it we're uh we're mm-hmm. uh, thinking about wes anderson presents fran mccaffrey or something like that so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll figure something out in time for november there you go um well we start off our new favorite series that we've been doing uh each week during this off season uh wrong coach wrong team will next up mark fox formerly of the georgia bulldogs where that era of georgia sports was just the one common um just <laughs> characterization because it's like no matter where you go the the unless you're like at tennessee now with vitello being as big of a name as he is like truly speaking it's they lump the the men's basketball coach and the men's football coach together and everything. And mm-hmm. Georgia, though, the 
And Mark Richt, the classiness of Mark Fox and Mark Richt was the main thing that they always talked about with those two. It's like, they're just such good dudes. Like, they're <laughs> they're just such good dudes. And it was like, what are you supposed to say to that if you're just like, I don't know if they're the right guys, but they're like, they're they're just so good. They're, they're yeah. such good dudes. You love having them run your program. And you're like, all right, well, isn't the point to, like, win national titles? And, to, and they're like, dude, he is so nice. They're so good. Like, everyone had glowing things to say about Mark Fox for the entire time that he was in Athens. And uh, I think it bought him a lot of time there that a lot of coaches wouldn't based on his results but then he uh he goes to cal i mean a lot of experience in the west coast he was obviously at nevada for a long time had success there um but it hasn't really worked out i think to this point there are a lot of reasons you could ascertain as to why that's a tough job but i mean jalen brown was a cal guy i mean you go back to sharif abdul rahim like they have had a lot of talent come through berkeley um and it has been a a good program in the past you can win there who was the other player with Jalen brown that was that was solid uh, ivan rab ivan rab that was right so I think, uh, I think he was a top five pick actually now that i'm remembering he wasn't a top five pick but he, he, was, he was top five in that class i do remember yes. that much i remember he okay, was a yeah, second round pick yeah um but yeah no uh they they've done it in the past but in terms of whether or not you believe at this point in time mark fox is the right guy to get cal basketball back do you think that is the case or is he the wrong guy at the wrong school? Uh, definitely the wrong guy. Uh, mm. I think like basically every hiring cycle they're like generally hires will make sense, right? Generally mm. you can see the rationale. Uh, you can understand where they're coming from and this, this stands for football too. every and probably baseball, but more, but there's a hire where everyone universally goes, wait, that guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, so like this year is this Mike White at Georgia the year before that was probably like Richard Patino to New Mexico. That was one where I was like, what are we, what are you doing? Like what, what's the, what's the link there? Mm. Uh, that was Mark Fox at California. Mark Fox never coached in California, never grew up there, never played there. He, he did recruit there when he was at Nevada, of course. So he had like that tangential tie, but he'd been out of it for a long time. I, I don't think people remember he was at Georgia for 10 seasons. That's what I'm saying. He was there a was there long forever. time. So, Did you I know mean, that he was pretty nice, though? Yeah. So that's a <laughs> we're uh, we're looking into the reasons why media members keep reporting on why coaches are so nice. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, we won't get into that here. <laughs> um, so I, I think he looks less awful in hindsight at Georgia because of how bad Tom Crean ended up working out, right? Mm -hmm. So, but I wouldn't think anybody would work themselves into a tizzy to call his tenure successful. Then at Nevada, people will look at the record and like, oh, he was really good there. The year before he took that job, Trent Johnson took them to the Sweet 16. That's why mm. Trent Johnson ended up at Stanford. And then slowly over the course of five years, they got worse and worse year over year, just a little bit worse every year with their win percentage. Mm. And so he probably was a little overrated in hindsight because of that. Uh, I, I would say now, you know, this is going to be year four for Cal uh, with Fox. And he's 15 and 43 in Pac-12 play. Uh, yet to finish higher than eighth, uh, and that was a tie. So I'm not going to tell you that Cal's an easy place to win at. I think we're both in agreement there. Mm -hmm. uh, so even with his contract added in, and it's not a small contract, Cal's basketball budget barely ranks ninth in the Pac-12, and is likely going to fall lower given their general direction as an athletic department. Like mm -hmm. that school in general just doesn't seem like they've got it together on an athletics front, frankly. Well, you know what helps? Moving to the Big Ten in a couple of years. 
Yeah, whenever they move to the Big Ten and become Northwest uh, Northwestern West Coast, uh, that'll be really good for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think Cal fans expect magic, right? They just expect like, you know, every three or four years you make the NCAA tournament. Like you get in as a nine seed or whatever, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad existence. Your senior class there should make a big dance once. Yeah, like maybe twice if you really get a really good group. Uh, and. They just haven't done that. They haven't come close. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look like this year they're going to get any closer to it. I mean, again, we mention this every time out. You know, projections are projections. They're not meant to be perfect. But Cal is projected to finish 11th uh, in the Pac-12. They're going backwards. Year. Yeah, they're not moving any direction in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could make the argument that the two sides of the rivalry there, Stanford and Cal, have the two biggest underachieving coaches in the Pac-12. Though Mike mm. Hopkins has got a real argument. Uh, I think we need to call for a Senate investigation, really, <laughs> of like five Pac-12 coaches until we figure out what's going on. Who are the there. five? Uh, Oregon State's guy, Wayne Tinkle. Yes, I know they mm-hmm. like made this, you know, horseshoe in the butt Elite Eight run, but uh, they literally just went three and twenty-eight, so mm. not good. Uh, Arizona State, Bobby Hurley. I would like to hear more from them. Uh, and yeah, I think Washington was the uh, the other. Mm-hmm. Don't feel good about them, but yeah. Who's projected to go twelfth uh, this year? Who's behind uh, Cal? Oregon State by a mile, okay. which I, I don't feel like is really terrible. Not really a big surprise. I don't there. feel like that's that can't really disagree with that. So no. I mean, yeah, I I think you know I would like you. I feel like we've generally heard Mark Fox is a kind guy, and I don't really mm-hmm. have anything to refute that. We would like kind guys to work out, but sometimes kind doesn't equal good at a certain job. And it doesn't seem like he's, one, doing the stuff necessary in recruiting to overcome their disadvantages, or two, working the transfer portal in a way that can overcome their disadvantages. I would agree. And, I mean, we'll see ultimately what happens here, but I would not feel good if I'm a Cal fan right now uh, with the state program. Like, who's the – is there a name that fits for the West Coast in that job? I mean, the San Francisco – like, again, like, the letting – um, wildly on his name, the new Florida coach. Um, I'm blanking on his name. Todd Golden. Golden, yeah. Whenever I say Golden, I think of Al Golden. I'm like, that's not his name. It's not Golden. Um, I mean, I mean, like, you, there's not like a surefire guy like mm. there was for you know some other programs in the past. Yeah. Like, but uh, I think like you know his star was brighter three years ago. But like Russell Turner at UC Irvine would make a lot of sense. Hmm. That's a guy where it's like, you know, every year, basically, they are fabulous at protecting the rim. Hmm. And that's a program identity. Like, they don't really have good offenses, but they're always strong defensively. Cal could use that. And it speaks you, to what you're saying, where it's just one out of every four years. Like, he's someone who can probably yeah. make the tournament one out of every year. It's oh, yeah. Cal. And, I mean, like, if you don't like that, because Russell Turner is not, like, a great recruiter, mm. go get Joe Pasternak at UC Santa Barbara. Go get mm. Adam Cohen, who is an assistant at Stanford that we mentioned either last week or a couple weeks ago. Like, there are guys with California ties that can either coach them up or recruit them up uh, in a way that they really, frankly, haven't had since Conzo was there. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't think Conzo is terribly good there, but Conzo recruited better than any coach they've had in a long time. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's argument enough to, like, make a change to me. Uh, We'll see what happens. I, I, I just I feel like Fox is probably safe until they move to the big... Uh, the Big Ten uh, until well, that, like when I, they have to make an adjustment where it's like, oh, we have this influx in cash and everything else. We can there's a bit more revitalization there a little bit. I don't know. Well, something that's interesting that I just looked up that I guess I could have looked up before, but 
not been the day to do it. Um, his, this is year four of his original contract. He's not received an extension. Hmm. And at the end of this year, the buyout is only 1.8 million. So this might be it. That's, I mean, like, I know it's funny to say only, but like yeah. in college basketball money, that's not much. Right. So this kind of has to be the year where you progress upwards. Well, on the flip side, this is a good transition to the Memphis basketball program where they just extended uh, Penny Hardaway and he is going to be the guy for the foreseeable future. Um, they are putting all their eggs in the Penny Hardaway basket. Um, Will, you have a lot of thoughts on Penny Hardaway in this Memphis program, uh, especially over the years. What did you make of the extension and is this the right gamble if you're Memphis? Well, they're deeply committed to Penny working out and I can understand and respect that, right? Like basketball, college basketball in particular, is synonymous with Memphis in a way that it really isn't in almost any other major American city. Like college basketball means an immense amount to Memphians. And so does Penny. Like Penny is a local hero, you know, born and bred there, made there. And I do think Penny genuinely has grown as a head coach over the last four years. Like he he's better now than he was, you know, three, four years ago. I don't think that's a big argument. And, and, like, the team really did turn it around in the middle of last season. Like, they, whatever happened, happened. They clicked. A lot of people will point to Emony uh, Bates being removed from the equation. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, like, that helped, right? But that's not, one player alone is not going to turn you from, you know, 70th best to top five like they're playing. But I need to see more. And I think most people are in the same boat as me. So Penny gets extended to 2028. And, you know, probably, you know, fair or whatever. But you look at Houston and you look at the talent that they were able to get prior to this past recruiting class where they finally got a five star. I mean, like, you just wonder how much more they could do if it was Kelvin as head coach and not Penny. Mm -hmm. And like, yes, Kelvin's older. He's won a lot more games, yada, yada, yada. But the gap feels gigantic when those two teams play anywhere other than FedEx. Mm -hmm. Like the coaching is just so different from one end to the other. And, I mean, Penny's got plenty of time. He's young. He's charismatic. He works really hard on the recruiting trail. Uh, I don't think these, uh, you know, these sanctions they got are really going to matter much. I don't think it's going to mm-hmm. end up impacting them at all in recruiting. Um, but Memphis is invested in him, and something that kind of goes unsaid here, uh, the AAC is deeply invested in Memphis being good. Mm. Because, I mean at least as long as Wichita State kind of spins their wheels, Memphis is going to be the premier program after Houston leaves for the Big 12. They're yeah. required to be, more or less, to make money, right? Yeah. I mean, the AAC has got to make money somehow. Like, sure, it'd be awesome if Tulane made the tournament. Tulane's not going to be your moneymaker year over year. It's going to be Memphis. And if Wichita State can get Ron back Ron Hunter's the still board, there, by the way, right? Yeah, Ron Hunter is still there. Tulane okay. is going to be good this year. That was mm-hmm. a bad team to pick. Like, But it, it, you get the point. Um I think it's really important that this works out for both Memphis and for the AAC because no other program in that conference, maybe Wichita State aside, has the history or regional interest to match them. Mm-hmm. Like, this has to work for Memphis. Otherwise, I don't know where you turn. Also, why are we not just combining the AAC and CUSA? What are we doing? Like, these two conferences now. Uh, like... I mean, like, frankly, UAB could probably finish third in the, in the AAC right now. Yeah, this is... Like when they lose Houston, oof! This well, is well. They're, they're gaining UAB, right? Eventually, I like twenty twenty five or something. 
is UAB going to? It's like yeah. UAB, North Texas, and some scraps from North what Texas. I is nice. That's a good one. You want in there, um, but we'll see if Andy Kennedy is at UAB for this long. Um, uh, I'm gonna guess no. I was gonna say, and then you're <laughs> yeah, we, of... we could be talking about Andy Kennedy, Vanderbilt coach here in Ooh. like a year or two. I think you could do better than that. I, yeah. So, so it's Kennedy. UAB, North Texas, UTSA. That's a good draw. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte, FAU, Rice. So that's like that's three that are yeah. pretty solid. And most of those were CSA teams, so they absorb those. And then the CUSA just brought in Kennesaw State. So uh, there you uh, go. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just the movement. It's like uh, it's a good gamble. It's a good trivia thing. Who is in this conference? It's like uh, we are getting ready to get rid of the ACC Coastal and um, Atlantic divisions, and uh, no sports fans, even college football writers, have any idea who's in which division uh, to this point. Like that'd be a fun one for who's currently in the CUSA. Who's currently? Uh, that's a fun one to play with the whack. Uh, I I would love for the average uh, listener to name three teams in the whack. In the and, whack? Uh, yeah. Because oh I, I think right now I can only name three without having to Google. I feel like the only one I know is Stephen F. Austin, right? They are they? I thought Stephen that's, F. Austin that's why, was. That's why the question's so good. I, I, I honestly say don't they know because they I were in say Stephen F. Austin forever. is. They, they are in the Southland for a long time. They are. They are in the whack. Okay, okay. they joined twenty twenty one. Okay, maybe that's why I remember that because they joined it. I remember that's like the only one I have this weird uh, copy of memory of them joining. Okay, man, the whack used to be what Hawaii, Nevada, this, Boise like, State. Yeah, man. Yeah, the weird. the only three I were able to name, by the way, without googling, were New Mexico State, uh, Grand Canyon, and Utah Valley. I would not have guessed Stephen F. Austin. Oh wow, um, Grand Canyon isn't. Never mind. I'm, I'm. I'll talk about that one off air. Let's uh, uh, let's take that one to another show. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of thoughts there. So do I. I think we're probably on the same page. Great. Uh, anyway, um, Penny Hardaway. Do you think it ultimately does work out? Do you think he has? You said he's grown as a coach. Do you think this ultimately leads to a championship? Do you think he gets to a Final Four ever? That's a hard one because it's like. You got to consistently, I, I, my opinion is like, yeah, you can fluke your way into a final four. I mean, mm. like we literally just got done talking about Oregon state who is within like two flipped baskets of making a final four. And that, well, how about sucked. let's do this. Do you think they ever yeah. are in a position to make it not needing it where they're actually like a Kim Palm top four team in the country? Maybe I, I, the thing that's really interesting to me is what happens to that whole athletic program after Houston, et cetera, leave for the big 12, because then it's more or less what they were, right, in the mm. 2000s, where they were the big fish in the small pond, the CUSA. Yeah. So they're basically in the same position they used to be. I, I mean, like, yeah, they could maybe make the Big 12 move eventually, but the fact that the Big 12 didn't take them this time seems pretty telling on that front, uh, especially with all the FedEx money they have. So I, I don't think... I, I would lean no, just mm -hmm. because the whole penny thing is like, We've had four years of data, and three and a half of them have been pretty underwhelming. Um, and, like, yes, the half year is encouraging, but we're kind of relying on, like, every time we talk about Memphis, it's like, oh, let's see what Penny does with the support staff. Oh, let's see how he can use this five-star recruit. And it's like, 
eventually recruits are going to see through that, right? So mm-hmm. I, I need to see him make a significant jump, particularly in offensive coaching, which is wild to say given Penny's history. Yeah. But like through four years, far and away the best aspect of Memphis as a program has been their defense. Mm-hmm. If he can ever find the offensive uh, fortitude to match that, then they'll have something. So I, I'm, I'm holding out on that. I, I think like it could definitely work out in that way, but I got to see more. Fair enough. Uh, Arizona, their most intriguing game on their schedule in the regular season this year, Will, is which game? Uh, so I'm going to quote Demi Lovato for you and tell you <laughs> that you need to remember December. Uh, I guess I'll see you quote Liliati now. I uh, guess that's a guy. Um, uh-huh. Whatever. I have three that I want to pick because I think they're all like roughly equal. Uh, mm-hmm. All within 21 days of each other, all in December. Uh, so they play a neutral site game against Indiana December 10th. A home game against Tennessee, December 17. And then New Year's Eve, this is a spicy little uh, affair they got. Little road game against my favorite team, Arizona State. Mm. Um, And my favorite coach, Bobby Hurley. All three of these are going to tell us a lot, I think, about what Arizona brings to the table. And and it's really cool because they're all three in different venues. So Mm. Indiana, projected Big Ten favorite, won the media poll at Big Ten Media Days this week. Uh, whether whether or not you believe that's true or not, we're going to find out. But I mean, I think it's you know not going to be a hard thing to say. Like Indiana is going to be a pretty good team. We're going to learn mm-hmm. how Arizona handles a neutral site game. Tennessee, generally seen as a borderline top ten team, no worse than a top three team in the SEC, the strongest SEC in a long time. We should add, mm-hmm. uh, pulled off a victory that really angered Arizona faithful last December with the officiating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say tough. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And then Arizona State, obviously a huge rival. I've made it pretty clear how I feel about Bobby Hurley as a coach, but they've got real talent. And that's the first true road game Arizona plays this season. Hmm. Um, All three of those are really interesting because, like I said, three different venues, three different experiences. And, you know, two of those I feel really strongly are like top 20-ish teams, Tennessee maybe being top 10. Arizona State, I think, is more like a bubble team. But even bubble teams on the road are hard, especially with so much turnover. Mm. If Arizona manages to go 2-1 and one across those three, I think they're a legitimate top 10 team. Do you think they ultimately do that? Uh, yeah, I'll say mm. yes. I, I think they... This is the real wild card. I think they lose to Arizona State just because first hmm. road game with a young team, never easy, no matter who you're playing. How much did that hurt you to just say that? Uh, a lot, but don't yeah. worry. It, uh, my my king, Mike Rhodes, will be <laughs> defeating Arizona State. Uh, as will Bobby Hurley. He will be defeating Arizona State by showing up. Um, mm. But no, I think they're going to be favored over Indiana. And then I think Tennessee would probably be favored by a hair on a neutral court. But that being at Arizona, and people really do forget how tough Arizona is to play at when they're rolling. Great mm. home court environment. Yeah, I think they can get two and one. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to watch them play offensively. I think again, you know, even with the turnover, they're going to be one of the five most fun offenses to watch that the sport offers, just because they play at breakneck speed. They're efficient. They're fun. Uh, people are going to really love watching them again. And if they can get it together defensively for most of the year, they really will be a top 10 side. I like it. Um, Next up, your other Hurley, the other Hurley. You called him the nerdy Hurley. uh, Yeah, the nerdy. (laughs) Poor Uh, guy. 
That's hey. slander I don't think he deserves, but... No. Another seemingly super likable guy. Come on the pod, uh, Coach Charlie. Mm-hmm. We'd love to have you. Um, uh, but, uh, Danny, if you can ignore everything I've said about your brother, uh, we'd love to have you on here. What if we got him on, though, and he was just like, you're absolutely right. Like, he, I don't know what he's going <laughs> if he had a, If he had, like, the, the Gallagher brothers thing going on mm-hmm. uh, with Bobby, <laughs> that would be awesome. If he just hated him, which right. there's no like, way that's real. But... No. But it would be funny. <laughs> it would be funny. <laughs> um, well, he's also got a great player in Andre Jackson. Um, and he's quoted saying that he has a chance to become a star in college basketball. Um, and that they're uh, the reporter in Connecticut saying that he Andre Jackson is threatening to be the number one player that he's ever coached. So Hurley is super, super high on Andre Jackson. Are you the same? And what if he becomes a star and a breakout star this year for the Huskies, how does that change their season trajectory? Uh, significantly. I think mm-hmm. right now uh, they've kind of been lingering around the bottom of the top 25 in most polls. I'm not sure I'm that optimistic. I'd have them like in the 30s somewhere. Mm-hmm. If this guy is as good as Hurley saying, and again, I think we should caution against taking media day stuff too seriously. Because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it is just coaches blowing smoke uh, for their team, which is good. Mm-hmm. But if he really is like the best player in this team, and he's better than Sonogo, who I thought was awesome last year. Though I mean, that's like Sonogo is limited in a one-off where a team can you know just like make him take tough twos over and over and over or shoot free throws. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I I really do like Jackson. I think he's in line to take a big step up. He's going to take a huge step up in importance on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's able to handle it, they're going to be a top 25 team. But if he's not, and there's a way like this can go sour pretty fast, because he, I mean, through two years, he really hasn't shown a ton offensively. Like he shot all right from three last year, especially in conference play. He was at 39%. And he rebounds very well for somebody who'd be playing guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he turned it over uh, over a quarter of his possessions last year as an off ball forward, which is terrible. Terrible. And it's not like he was a high usage guy either. He's a great defensive player, though. And so that's where the upside is. It's like he he fits the profile of like the three and D guys we talk about in the NBA who like figured out the three after they got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he can figure out the offensive side this year, yeah, that upside's really very much there. But kind of like some other stuff we talked about, I'm in wait and see mode. Uh, I think Sonogo's a sure thing. They got a couple other good pieces. If he blossoms, they are going to be awesome. But I need to see him blossom first to believe it. We'll see. I, I think they're an intriguing team. Do you think they're on the up or are they just have they cratered or do you think they're on the downward slope during the, the Hurley tenure? They're on the up. I think okay. it's just like the up is not what UConn fans are kind of used to with Jim Calhoun. It's definitely more of an up than Kevin Ollie, mm-hmm. national champion Kevin Ollie, lest we forget. But um, can't take yeah. it away. Yeah, why? It's like Gene Chizik being a national champion. Um, but that being said, I, I think they're in a good position. People give Dan Hurley a lot of crap for not being Jim Calhoun, mm-hmm. but I think he's done a good job. I think he's a good coach, and he's establishing a pretty solid baseline. Where like year in year out, you know UConn is going to be no worse than like one of the 40 best teams in basketball and generally more like 25 to 30 best. That's a good baseline to set. Mm-hmm. You have to get there before you get to top 15 again. Also very happy that they're back in the big East the last couple of years. Like that's yes, been good. Sure. I, 
Um, it feels right. And we'll see where they fit. I was wondering if Hurley, because he played at uh, Seton Hall when that job opened up and it went to Sheen Holloway. I was wondering if there was a chance that he would... Like, that would be a, a rough look for UConn fans if he <laughs> uh, he followed uh, the alma mater back to uh, Seton Hall with Kevin Willard going to Maryland. I don't know. That would have been... That would have been a brutal, brutal blow. But I agree with you. I think they're on the up and up, and I think they should be an interesting uh, team to watch this year and see if Jackson uh, takes that next step. Um, season in review, my friend, Kim Palm Top 25 Series moves on. We've got the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, when we look at Duke this past year, um, obviously not the finish they wanted to uh, go out with, with Coach K, losing to UNC in that way. Uh, but... That's how it ends uh, for the Blue Devils. Uh, Paolo was awesome all season long. Um, John Shire stepping into the fold this year to replace, uh, let me check my notes here, uh, Mike Krzyzewski, uh, which I think might be uh, big shoes to fill, uh, hmm. depending on who you ask. It's going to be really, really weird to watch this first Duke-UNC game with Hubert Davis and John Shire <laughs> roaming the sidelines. It's yeah. just that. It's going to be so wild, but... Uh, what did you make of the state of the Duke Blue Devils, their season last year, and uh, how John Shire set up here uh, to kick things off of his era of Duke Blue Devil basketball? So when I came on the show throughout last year, we talked a lot about how there are a few like national championship contenders, and, and then there was the then. And the then was always like, if Duke ever like just turns on the switch, mm. like they can be there. Because, I mean... I don't know if you would agree, but I had this, the sense like through a lot of games last year, they were just on autopilot. Like they mm. didn't really seem that invested. Maybe it was distraction. I think that's a plausible thing. Like the Coach K thing was a real circus in itself. And these players were like, you know, probably super freaking stressed trying to live up to it every night. And so, I mean, like, you know, Duke wasn't perfect last year. They, they were not uh, helped by playing in a very down ACC. But it's mm. like, you know, you lose in overtime to a bad Florida State team. You lose at home to the worst Virginia team in years. Lose at home to Miami, who did make the Elite Eight. We, I guess we got to remember that. But then there's, like, there, there were some other various struggles that were pretty nasty. Like, they were struggling with, like, Clemson at home and NC State. And, you know, they had a really tough tussle with Virginia a second time they almost lost. Um, they kind of just seemed on autopilot. It was like, well, if they turn it on in March then this can really go somewhere. And mm -hmm. lo and behold, they turned it on. Like, I thought they were going to lose to Texas Tech in the Sweet 16. They out-toughed them with help from Paolo and through, from the whole crew, really. I thought that was a great team-wide win rather than just Paolo. Like, Jeremy Roach was awesome in that game. Um, then you get Arkansas instead of Gonzaga. That's a gift. Uh, you out-tough uh, Arkansas. And really, when you look at it, for a final season for a guy who's in his 70s, 32 and 32 and 7 final four ACC regular season champs ACC conference tournament runner up that is a hell of a season but no one's going to remember it that way because your season finale you lose at home to North Carolina a team that did end up making the you know national title game but still North Carolina by double digits mm -hmm. you lose to Virginia Tech in your final ever ACC tournament game by 15 and then you make it to the Final Four. You play North Carolina. This probably the most hyped Final Four game in the history of the sport. Mm -hmm. And you lose that. And so it's like, if they had won any of those three, this feels a little less soft than it does now. But it's kind of like, 
I don't know, it's a little 73 and 9-ish. Mm-hmm. It's like, you won all those games, but did you win anything that mattered, you know? Well, when you go into I, I mean, year... they did, but it's like, it's just kind of like, for to go out like that with all those wins and all those accomplishments, that's tough. That had, It had to feel deeply unsatisfying, despite how objectively satisfying it should have been. Yeah, I wonder... I think it's more of an issue if he had not won multiple titles. Like you're just like, oh, yeah. look, the odds of me winning a title my last year is just pretty slim. Like I think mm-hmm. Coach K's uh, went into the season understanding that. But I mean, they got pretty close, but still a great run. Uh, Paolo was awesome. I'll miss watching him play. Uh, but when you look at this group, I mean, John Shire is going to have some talent uh, on his hands this year. Do you think there's a path to them being better this year than they were a year ago? Yes. Okay. Uh, 100% yes. I think like... As a freshman class, it's more talented. I mean, mm. this is, correct me if I'm wrong, n- no worse, I think on any recruiting service, no worse than three of the top seven recruits mm. in a Derek Whitehead, Derek Lively, Kyle Filipowski. I mean, I'm lower on Filipowski than a lot of people are, and I think Whitehead is going to be the clear best player on the team. Mm-hmm. I think he, I think he's a legit favorite to be a top five pick. I, obviously, like it feels like the top two, even top three, are decided for the NBA draft. But mm-hmm. Whitehead could easily be top five, uh, and it's in my opinion going to be between him and Nick Smith for best freshman. Hmm. But on paper, they have one of the five best rosters in the sport. That's it's a better roster like today than it was twelve months ago, hmm. uh, which is nuts to say it, but it's like. They've got the high-end freshman talent. You bring back Jeremy Roach, who is a key figure in that Final Four run. You bring uh, on board from Illinois Jacob Grandison, who is a phenomenal three-point shooter. And it's been a minute since Duke has had one of those guys, like a phenomenal spot-up three-point shooter. Not like a guy, not like a Jabari Smith type, but like a guy you can pass it to in the corner. It's like, oh, shoot, we can't leave that guy open. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a minute since they've had one. 